It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, friends? Welcome back to another crossover Thursday edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast brought to you by our friends at Pepsi. Hey, this football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. That's right, it's crossover Thursday, getting you ready for... The big day on Sunday between the Panthers and the Falcons, it is myself and Aaron Freeman. We'll get to that in a minute. A lot of good stuff for you guys. Just a quick note on uh, the injury report that's been coming up lately. Uh, So far, not a bad injury report for the Panthers. Uh, Only one player has missed practice so far this week, and that was Eli Apple on Thursday. He did not practice with a hamstring injury, which we actually found out was not the original hamstring that he injured that put him on IR for the first three weeks of the season, but it actually turned out that it was the other hamstring that he injured against the Cardinals. Uh, But this was a bit of a downgrade for him as he was limited on Wednesday, did not practice on Thursday. The only other player uh, that was limited in practice Thursday was Chris Manhurts as he continues to deal with an ankle injury but everybody else was a full participant in practice which is really good news the big story of course the Falcons right now is the continued injury watch of Julio Jones he did not practice on Wednesday with that hamstring injury looks like it's going to continue to limit him so that certainly would be a big boost to the Panthers if they or if he cannot go uh, so that'll be huge for the Panthers if he can't go. Um, you know, obviously, as we talked about before, this team's really banged up in the secondary as well. So a lot of injuries for the Falcons to deal with and could be another week with, at the very least, a very limited Julio Jones on the field if he's even out on the field. So we'll continue to watch that throughout the week. But uh, enough about me just chatting by myself against or about the Falcons uh, I want to get, of course, to crossover. Our, you know, it was a great segment with myself and Aaron Freeman. So we might as well get right into that. So without further ado, here is my chat with my good buddy Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons. So guys, we are here for another crossover Thursday between the Atlanta Falcons and Carolina Panthers in Week Five. Of course, I am your host of Locked On Falcons, Aaron Freeman, joined by the host of Locked On Panthers, Bill Rossetti. And we're going to be taking you into some of the key storylines and matchups for this upcoming Week 5 game. Bill, 
uh, we were talking before we jumped on and recorded seemingly that if you had taken bets on which team would be entering this week, zero and four, I think a lot of people would have lost money on that bet uh, between these two teams. It seems like the Panthers after, you know, starting zero and two or trending upwards while the Falcons uh, are sort of going in the opposite direction. What are your thoughts on sort of that situation with these two teams heading into this game? Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And as always, you know, great to see you and, and talk to you, man. Always good to get on here with you. Yeah, this has been a, an interesting first quarter for these two teams. You know, this uh, this was obviously supposed to be a big year for the Falcons. We were hoping that that momentum that they had from the second half of last season was going to carry over into this season. And Dan Quinn was fighting for his job. And, you know, um, we've obviously seen the results so far. I mean, we don't really have to talk much into it it's been covered basically they did it again again I mean I, I just can't believe just the the results of of some of these games for the Falcons and um you know it sucks that the injury bug is is hurting them again you know it sucked to see uh Devontae KZ go down again so yeah really unfortunate start for the Falcons but I mean the Panthers yeah they've been very competitive really all season and especially the last two weeks, you know, really coming together and getting those wins over the chargers and the Cardinals. So um, it, it's really been nice to see this team really already start to buy into what Matt rule has. So it's been a fun start so far. Now uh, these last couple of games, you know, I think uh, with, with my expectations and I think a lot of people's expectations when we were doing crossovers this off season, we were like, yeah, this this Panthers team has some weapons on offense. And, you know, sort of the big question is, like, do they have a good enough offensive line to be able to keep Teddy Bridgewater upright uh, in order for him to be able to distribute um, the ball to those weapons? And I'm just curious on, on those two fronts, how have these weapons been performing with Robbie Anderson and, and Mike Davis sort of stepping in? to uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey's shoes, as well as sort of what you're seeing from Teddy Bridgewater, as well as sort of your assessment of the Panthers' offensive line and, and whether or not they're doing a good enough job to sort of keep this momentum going on offense. Yeah, it's it's been really fun to watch this offense kind of grow o- over these first few weeks. And, you know, we'll start with Teddy. Um, Teddy's really just done a great job, I think, of holding on to the football. I mean, he only has, I think, one interception w- – all season long and really doesn't have any fumbles, you know, so he really hasn't turned the ball over at all this season. So that's been a key reason why the Panthers have won the last two weeks and why they've been, you know, kind of hanging around for most of this season. I mean, the the Buccaneers just kind of outmatched them for most of that game, but they were still pretty competitive in that game. But Teddy's been moving the ball down the field pretty well. Um, He started to use his legs a little bit more. He finally caught a or finally had a rushing touchdown on Sunday against the Cardinals first one in five years which uh, is pretty crazy to think about but um, you know really nice to see that happen for him after everything he's been through and he's really started to build a nice connection with all these receivers and it's really not just one guy that he's kind of been zeroing in on he's really been spreading the ball pretty nicely you know one day DJ Moore might might kind of take the lead or last Sunday for example Robbie Anderson was sort of the focal point, you know, 99 yards receiving, leading the way. Um, But really all the guys have been getting involved pretty well. So it's been really nice, you know, kind of like you saw with LSU, how they've been 
spreading the ball to all the different receivers. You know, Joe Burrow really didn't focus on one guy. You know, granted, Jamar Chase had 20 touchdowns and Justin Jefferson had 17, but still, he was spreading it out pretty nicely. Teddy's kind of doing the same thing in Carolina. It's not just the receivers. You mentioned Mike Davis. I mean, Mike Davis has 21 catches in three games since taking over for Christian McCaffrey. Really, not even three full games. You know, really just two games and one quarter because he really didn't come in until the fourth quarter of that Buccaneers game, and he still ended up with eight catches in that game. So it's been nice to see the Panthers not really have to adjust their game plan uh, in terms of their backfield, uh, even with Christian McCaffrey out. So Mike Davis is going to continue to get catches. Um, but behind Mike Davis is going to be interesting because Reggie Bonifant was just put on the uh, the injured list on the practice squad. So you might see Trenton Cannon activated this week. And they have a really intriguing running back option in Pete. And I'm not sure if I'm saying this name right. I feel like I'm going to butcher Guerrero, I'm going to guess. Uh, he came over from the Jets. He was a uh, second leading rusher all time at Monmouth. Um, really intriguing guy. So interested to see if they – call them up. They they likely will just to have a third running back. Um, but the running back or the running game has, you know, not really hit a speed bump uh, since Christian McCaffrey has gone down. So that's been nice to see. And then the offensive line, you know, that was obviously the biggest question mark on this team, but I think they've kind of gelled together a little bit over the last couple of weeks, especially with Chris Reed now taking over at the left guard position uh, with Dennis Daly being injured. And I think Chris Reed's done a really nice job these last, these last couple of weeks. It'll be interesting once Dennis Daly is healthy enough to go, what they do with that uh, left guard position. You know, Paradis has done okay this season at center and what's really been kind of a, a make or break year for him. John Miller has been pretty solid at right guard. And then Taylor Moten just continues to be Taylor Moten. Now that left tackle position, you know, has been uh, an interesting kind of rotation right now. Russell Okung's been out the last couple of weeks. So Greg Little and Trent Scott have kind of rotated in and out during the last two games. And Trent Scott's been solid the last two games, but Greg Little, I thought, really improved uh, from week three to week four. He struggled in week three against the Chargers. Definitely looked better. Had some, you know, down moments for sure, but definitely looked a lot better in week four. And I mean, we're, we're still talking about two teams with really good pass rushes in the Chargers and the uh, the Cardinals. So, you know, it's understandable that Greg Little being kind of thrown in there would struggle at times. But he's starting to come together a little bit after his rookie season was kind of ruined with injuries. So, you know, they might feel like they still have something for the future after Russell Kuhn. But overall, um, th- this offense has really seem to be clicking on all cylinders and it's really been fun to watch uh, these last couple of weeks. Yeah. I, I look at this Panthers offensive line and I look at the Falcons defense and I, I look back at last year, I think the two uh, Falcons wins over the Panthers largely are due to the fact that Kyle Allen was running for his life for basically those, those entire games. And that led to him making a number of mistakes. You're, you're, you're not going to get that with Teddy Bridgewater as you, pointed out, but I do think it's going to be important for the Falcons to sort of assert their dominance in the trenches, because as you pointed out, with Joe Brady, with those weapons, and based off of how the Falcons have played on defense, there's no real reason to think that the Falcons will be able to slow down those playmakers if Teddy Bridgewater has time to throw. So I think that's going to be an an important matchup um, for the Falcons uh, this upcoming week, but I kind of want to sort of turn our attention now to the Panthers defense, and it 
went into the season a similar sort of question as I asked you with the offense. It looked into the season like there was a complete rebuild, but it, it seems like from, you know, from where I'm standing, I watched a little bit of the Arizona Cardinals game last week. Uh, it, it seems like some of the young players, you know, you already know Brian Burns was one of their top playmakers, but guys like Derek Brown and Yatur Gross Matos and Jeremy Chin seem like they're stepping up uh, these last couple of games and, and maybe this defensive rebuild, uh, may not take as long as maybe some people were predicting heading into the season. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty crazy, but uh, really exciting to see these young guys come together. And really, it starts with Jeremy Chin. I mean, Chin has been flying all over the field. Um, he's leading the team in tackles. You know, just continues to. He's almost kind of taken a leadership role already, just with his play on the field. You know, because he. He just moves around kind of all over the place, and it's almost like the Panthers have like three safeties on the field at all times because he's become kind of that hybrid player that we knew he was going to be coming out of Southern Illinois. Um, but but Chin's been the big leader. Derek Brown, like you mentioned, has uh, stepped up the last couple of games. Yitor Grossmato's kind of had his breakout game against the Cardinals. And then, you know, like you said, Brian Burns really taken over as the leader of that uh, – that defensive end unit, but a couple of other players that I'll mention to, you know, especially one that's kind of become almost an early unsung hero for the Panthers. And one of the more underrated waiver claims so far has been Rasul Douglas um, comes over from the Panthers as uh, you know, one of those final uh, final cuts or, you know, waiver claims after final cuts from the Philadelphia Eagles. So joins the team pretty much right at the start of the regular season gets thrust into a, a starting role or, you know, mixed in with Troy pride in that first game against the Raiders. And since then has really just kind of taken over as that second starter opposite Dante Jackson, who himself has improved. I, I think a lot from last season. So quietly the Panthers have so far built a, uh, a pretty solid cornerback duo between Dante Jackson and Rasul Douglas, you know, Rasul Douglas is, um, you know, I think he's been one of the top corners in PFF so far, if I remember correctly, I know they said he was, uh, you know, there have been some numbers floating around. I forget them off the top of my head, but there have been numbers floating around on like certain stats from either PFF or something that Rasul Douglas has been really good at. And, you know, so it's nice to see Douglas really start to show what he can be. You know, he obviously never really lived up to the potential that the Eagles were hoping for when they took him in the third round. But um, Phil Snow's Phil Snow has been using him, quite well I think so far and then Justin Burris has been a nice addition as that uh, versatile you know defensive back you can kind of move him all, all over the field as well and even at the linebacker position you know Shaq Thompson has really taken on that leadership role and um, you know Tyre Whitehead has done pretty decently at the uh, at the Mike Mike backer position obviously he's no Luke Keekley but he's uh, he's kind of holding his own and you know it's nice to see teams not gouging the Panthers against the run uh, as they were last year, you know, especially last week when we thought Kenyon Drake had a chance to run all over them and he didn't, he only had 35 yards on 13 carries. So yeah, things are really starting to blend together and, you know, you're just going to continue to see these young guys just, you know, keep getting in there. And I, I think the, uh, the potential here is, um, is quite well. 
Yeah, clearly the Panthers had the wrong West Virginia corner in Daryl Worley, and they should have just had Rasul Douglas the entire time. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think it will be interesting to sort of see how that secondary plays this upcoming week. Um, because, again, talking about sort of how the offense, the big question mark was the offensive line. I think going into the season, the secondary was the big question mark for the Panthers' defense. And obviously there's going to be some challenges this week against some of the weapons that the Falcons have. But it may not be as big a challenge because there's right now concerns that Julio Jones will probably sit this upcoming weekend. And, and Calvin Ridley's coming off of two kind of lackluster games trying to sort of fill in into those shoes the last two weeks. So unless the Falcons can get their passing game going, although Ridley has a history of, of going off against the Panthers. Um, so maybe this is the type of game that he needs to sort of bounce back. But I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. And we're going to continue today's crossover Thursday, uh, flipping the script. And we'll have Bill uh, ask me some uh, Falcon questions and sort of get the opposite side of this matchup uh, coming up on today's crossover Thursday. This episode of Locked On Panthers is being brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com, the family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. So whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You could quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, and you could choose the brands, the specifications, and the prices that you prefer. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com, always reliably low, always the same for do-it-yourselfers or professionals. So why spend up to twice as much for the same auto parts? When you can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And remember to write the words locked on in their how did you hear about us section so that they know that we sent you. Rockauto.com. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. And today's episode also being brought to you by our friends at Visa. Hey, Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, our favorite local sh- or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They re- remember us by name. Always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. So the next time you go shopping and make the choice to shop, at local business or the next time you go shopping make the choice to shop at local businesses and remember to look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters visa it's everywhere you want to be and it's the official partner of the nfl We're back here, crossover Thursday, Aaron Freeman, Billy Rossetti, locked on Falcons, locked on Panthers, getting set for what should be a fun week five divisional matchup between the Falcons and the Panthers. And we're going to flip the script, talk about the Falcons a little bit. And, you know, I think the the first question we got to shoot to you is what the heck is going on? You know, like, like we kind of talked about it at the top, you know, this was a team that we thought had the momentum going in and thought they were filling in some pieces throughout the off season. And we obviously know of the, uh, the leads that evaporated 
overall, what's the sense in Atlanta and really how close is Dan Quinn being, or really how close is Dan Quinn to no longer being coach of the Falcons? Well, we've been speculating for the last couple of weeks that, you know, the the next game could be Dan Quinn's last. And we will continue to speculate that the next game could be Dan Quinn's last. I think a lot of people, including myself, have been looking at this Carolina game in week five, uh, coming off the Monday night game. Uh, To me, it was doubtful that the Falcons would try to fire Dan Quinn, you know, after a Monday night game, which would give the interim coach a short week. But the Falcons are going to be playing at home in front of a limited crowd. Um, and that crowd is probably going to be very vocal with their criticism of Dan Quinn, um, and it will be potentially an embarrassment for Arthur Blank, the Falcons owner, if you know Dan Quinn and the Falcons lay an egg this week and they're booed off the field. Um, so I think there is a real possibility that Monday could be, uh, uh, you know, the first day of a, of a new gig for uh, a potential interim coach, but. You know, in terms of the Falcons' 0-4 start, you know, week one, they got caught off guard because Seattle let Russ cook for the first time in years. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think it's too bad of an of a loss to get basically caught off. The You know, the entire world was caught off guard by Seattle letting Russ cook. So I don't think – I don't look back at that game as like, oh, this, this is awful that they lost to Seattle. But then the next two weeks, they, they built big leads against Dallas – played really well offensively against Dallas and created some turnovers uh, early in that game that led to some points and then completely collapsed in that game. Did a similar thing with the the Bears game, uh, able to build the lead and then completely collapsed in the the final few minutes of that game. And so, you know, we, we came off of those first three games feeling like, okay, there's a couple of plays that they're away from, you know, being a two and one team that if they just sort of tighten things up, in the second halves of games, they would be a two and one team. And the hope was that they would be able to use some of that momentum of the, the coulda, shoulda, woulda of, of basically, okay, we're, we're going in against a green Bay team. That's, you know, three and O they're probably a better football team overall, but maybe we can be competitive with this team for, you know, four quarters and, and, and prove to everybody that uh, this team is better than their zero and three record is. And of course that was not to be the case. They had some injuries on defense going into the game and very quickly, was clear that the young players that were inserted into the lineup, particularly in the secondary, were not ready to play in that game. And Green Bay, you know, basically just had no problem moving the ball up and down the field against them uh, defensively. Um, And so, you know, then the offense needed to come out with a fast start. They did not do that on Monday Night Football. And it raises questions that this offense is really poised to carry this team, which they're going to have to be uh, if they're going to have any chance of being competitive. So, it's a, you know, as I said at the top, it, the Falcons are trending down uh, while the Panthers are trending up. And, and so, you know, if that downward spiral continu- continues, then I think there's a real possibility that Dan Quinn might be coaching his last game this weekend. And if not this weekend, you know, one of the things I speculated on yesterday's Lockdown Falcons with the guest was if it's not this week five game, that week eight game on Thursday night against the, the Panthers could be also the the end of the Dan Quinn tenure just because it kind of, gives an interim coach a little bit of a mini buy if the Falcons decide to move on from them, uh, given, you know, like 10 days to prepare for his first game. So it does seem to me that, you know, either this week five game or this week eight game, uh, there's pretty high probability that if the Falcons lose either one of these games, uh, it could be Dan Quinn's last. And kind of going off that, you know, these two teams going in different directions. That's why, you know, it really intrigued me looking at, 
even the 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 spread right now of this game. Atlanta's a two and a half point favorite. At least when I last checked into it, Atlanta's a two and a half point favorite. Now I get they're at home, but it baffles me a little bit that Carolina is a two and a half point dog coming off two straight wins over two, you know, decent to okay teams against an 0-4 Falcons team. Can you try to put into perspective why the Falcons might still be favored in this game? Yeah, I, I did check it right before we, we, we aired. It, it's now moved to two, but, you know, the Falcons are still favored by two points. Um, so, I, I you know, I think obviously the home teams generally get three points in these matchups. I don't know if, if Vegas is adjusting that because of COVID and, and whatnot this year, but it, it, it seems that Vegas is basically saying that Carolina is the better team, but because the Falcons are playing at home, they think that that gives the Falcons a boost. Yeah, I, I just think this is Vegas trying, being also being not sure of what this Falcon team is and, and wondering, okay, they completely laid an egg on Monday night. Are they going to look like the team that they looked like on Monday night? Or are they going to look like the team that actually looked competent in their previous games minus, you know, a couple of bad plays in the, in the fourth quarter? So that's the only thing I can explain to it. But, yeah, I look at that line and I think, you know, put your money on Carolina. Which, spoiler alert, I already have. <laughs> <laughs> put them in, the, in a parlay as well. So um, I also want to go back to, to something you talked about on – uh, you know, my segment, I guess we'll say, and you know, you mentioned Calvin Ridley and the injuries to Julio Jones. Um, you know, so give us a little more insight if you can on the injuries to the Falcons and you know, what's going on with Julio, um, how Russell Gage is doing, and then you know, talk about Calvin Ridley in the uh, in that leadership role. Like you said, he's, you know, he obviously didn't do anything, uh, a big old goose egg on Monday night, but you mentioned his history against the Carolina Panthers. I mean, he's played four games so far and he's found the end zone in all four of those games. Um, he's averaging 93 yards per game in those four games. Now that's, you know, bumped up by the week 11 game last year where he had a buck 43, but still he's had at least 64 yards in uh, all four games that he's played against the Panthers. So good chance that that trend might continue. So, you know, what are, What's the latest on the the Falcons injury notes, especially receiver, and what can Calvin Ridley do to you know bounce back from these last couple of weeks here? Yeah, with with Julio, you know he's been dealing with a hamstring since August. Um, he missed the Bears game in Week Three. Uh, he came back uh, in Week Four against Green Bay uh, with the extra day of rest, uh, and the Falcons were confident that he would be able to play. But basically, it was very clear early on in that game that he didn't have the same burst. He was struggling a little bit more beat, trying to beat ben, press coverage. He had a couple of catches, but four catches for like 32 yards and basically a quarter or a half before the Falcons were like, yeah, you can't go shut him down. And so, you know, he did not play the remainder of that game. And I think the Falcons are really going to have to bite the bullet a little bit with Julio Jones and, and basically just shut him down for not only this week, but potentially subsequent weeks and try to give that hamstring uh, some time to heal. As we know, hamstring injuries tend to linger uh, with players Calvin Ridley was dealing with an ankle injury, uh, which I think contributed to why he struggled against Green Bay. But I, I think him and the Matt Ryan and, and Calvin Ridley connection has kind of been missed these last two weeks with um, 
his sort of having to be the number one receiver and, and sort of playing that X wide receiver position that, uh, that Julio Jones typically plays and is sort of the centerpiece of the offense. And Calvin Ridley has typically played that Z spot opposite him. And because of all the bracket coverage that Julio Jones gets, it allows Calvin Ridley to sort of feast on those one-on-ones. And, you know, you look at the Bears box score and you say, oh, like he had 100 yards receiving in that game, but he had like five catches on like 15 targets or, or whatever the numbers were. And particularly in the, in the second half of that game, like basically him and Matt Ryan could not link up. And I think the numbers are like, he's had three catches on his like last 15 targets from Matt Ryan over the last two weeks. So I think, you know, Ridley needs a bounce back game. The Falcons need to find a way to, to make Ridley, you know, have his quote unquote typical Panther game um, this upcoming week, because without him, you know, they just don't have enough, they just haven't been able to get consistent production from their other weapons. Russell Gates has had some moments this year, but he had two catches last week against Green Bay and, and didn't step up in a major way there. Um, they got some production from Alameda Zacchaeus. Uh, these last couple of weeks sort of filling in as that third wide receiver with Julio Jones out of the lineup, but I don't necessarily know if you can trust Alameda Zacchaeus to sort of funnel your offense through. And Hayden Hurst has been pretty quiet after, you know, two sort of solid first two games in these last couple of weeks just hasn't really made much of an impact. So it's clear that the Falcons have the weapons to be able to, you know, on paper at least, to be able to survive without Julio Jones on the field. But, you know, these last two games, just their offense has sort of stagnated in, in a major way trying to throw the football uh, without Julio Jones on the field. I got to say, that's such a cool name for a receiver too, Alameda Zacchaeus. I love that. But, yeah, he, he you know, was thrust in there a little bit, kind of kind of looked okay. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, but um, yeah, I think we'll just jump in and kind of talk about what what we think is going to happen. I think, I mean, I think we kind of have more or less given our thoughts of what we think is going to happen. But um, is there any what what do the Falcons have to do uh, to win this game? Yeah, I think they have to be the team offensively. They have to be the team that they were against Dallas. Dallas, they they. They stuck to the outside zone run scheme. They were able to dial up some play action passes, uh, get some, generate some big plays. This offense was not explosive at all against Green Bay, which was a big reason why they stood no chance of coming back in that game. They didn't get their first 20 plus yard play until, you know, 87 seconds left in the game after being down. So they have to find ways to generate explosive plays against this Panthers offense. That's obviously going to come more likely through the air than it is on the ground. Todd Gurley's, been a solid running back but not he's not the explosive back that you want uh or that he formerly was he's not a guy that's going to be ripping off you know 40 50 yard runs he's just going to kind of grind it out five six seven eight yards that's basically what he is at this point he's he's been effective in that role particularly when the Falcons have sort of stuck to their outside zone running scheme but they largely abandoned it these last two weeks so I think the Falcons offense is going to have to get off to a fast start um, and as I said earlier, I think their defense is, is, has to find a way to dominate the trenches because just looking at the injuries they have in the secondary uh, with, you know, they're hopeful that they'll get guys like A.J. Terrell back, uh, you know, Ricardo Allen, Keanu Neal, uh, get some of those guys back. You mentioned Devontae Casey going down for the season. They're not getting him back. The Dark West and ours on IR. He was their best corner in the Bears game. He, he's still out for a couple more weeks. So, you know, I just don't have any confidence that, these backup secondary players are going to be able to stick with the Panthers playmakers and they, they really struggle against tight ends. So all I have to sit here and say is like Grady Jarrett has to basically just take over this game. Um, if Greg Little winds up being the starting left tackle, Dante Fowler, who's been a 
somewhat of a disappointment this year, uh, has to take over this game. Um, so if the Falcons offense can get off to a fast start um, and their defensive line can dominate the line of scrimmage like they did in two games last year, they got a shot. If, if both of those things don't happen or one of those things doesn't happen, I don't really think based off of how this Panther team has been playing these last couple of weeks that the Falcons are going to find a way to win. I think with the Panthers, it's kind of the same. You know, that defensive line just has to continue, you know, to, to get pressure. They've started to get to the quarterback. They've had a couple sacks in the last two weeks after not registering a single sack in uh, the first two weeks of the season. So they've got to get after Matt Ryan. But, you know, obviously Atlanta still has a, a pretty solid, a pretty good offensive line. But, you know, it, like you said, if Julio can't go, that's certainly – a, a big addition because we kind of saw or a, a big boost, I should say, to the Panthers because we kind of saw last week with the Cardinals, you know, they were still able to contain, you know, to a sense, Kyler Murray and that passing offense. Kyler Murray still had or, uh, you know, accounted for over 200 yards. About 78 of them were on the ground, but they only threw for 133. And that was with with DeAndre Hopkins playing, but he only ended up with 40 yards. So if they can get that same success against the Falcons, and slow down Calvin Ridley and, you know, kind of stop the streak that we, we touched on earlier, that's going to be, you know, a big help. So Dante Jackson and uh, uh, Russell Douglas have to continue to, you know, continue to improve and continue their good stretch that they've started in these first four weeks of the season. And then offensively, you know, just keep taking care of the football because, you know, despite how down this Falcons team is, you know, if they can capital, if the Panthers make some mistakes, this is still an offense that can kind of turn it on in a second and still capitalize on any mistakes the Panthers might make. So Panthers, you know, Teddy's got to continue to take care of the football, um, keep getting Mike Davis utilized like they have been these last couple of weeks. And like I said, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the backfield behind Mike Davis. You might see, you might even see Curtis Samuel uh, even more, you know, they sprinkled him in a little bit the last couple of weeks. You might see him a little bit more in the running game now that Reggie Bonifant is out for three weeks. So uh, continue to get the ball in their playmakers' hands and just kind of let them try to take advantage of this banged-up Falcons secondary. So I think if they can do that, I think the Panthers probably will have a good shot of winning this football game. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, basically, if the Panthers play like they've played the last couple of games and the Falcons play like they've played the last couple of games, and it, it should – I won't say it's a cakewalk to a, a Panthers win, but it, it shouldn't be something that Panther fans will be sweating too much this weekend. We'll see how it shakes out. We'll see if the if a new version of the Falcons shows up. We'll see if this Matt Rule-led Panthers team continues to show the consistency that they've shown throughout the season. Consistency is not a word that is in the Falcons vocabulary so far this season. So uh, we'll see if, if that flips. Um, and of course, you know, guys, you can check me out, uh, of course, daily on the Lockdown Falcons podcast. If you want to find my snarky tweets about the Falcons, you can check me out on Falcons on Twitter, F-A-L-C-F-A-N-S. And Bill, let the people know what they can find from you uh, coming up on Lockdown Panthers. Yeah, um, always always fun again to talk to you. Uh, Locked on Panthers, of course, going. Uh, find me on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti, R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. Now, the rest of this week, who knows how I'll be feeling because I'm actually getting uh, two teeth taken out. Um, actually, by the time a lot of you probably will hear this on Thursday, I will probably already have them pulled. So uh, the rest of Thursday will be quite fun for me. So uh, depending on how I feel Friday and Saturday, uh, but 
you know, for the most part, after I rest up this weekend, I'll be good to go. And uh, we'll be back, of course, with more Panthers stuff. And I'm with uh, SI Panthers now as well. So we're going to get that rolling soon. So, you know, a bunch of couple of places you can find me, but uh, Twitter is usually the best place to get in contact with me. Yeah, you know, we had a, a fellow Lockdown host, Cody Rourke, uh, I think had his wisdom teeth pulled a couple of weeks ago, posted some uh, interesting videos. Uh, are we going to get anything, uh, some uh, a- anesthesia, post-anesthesia <laughs> videos from you, Bill, this week? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who, who knows how I'm going to feel? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll rant about the NBA Finals or something and <laughs> start crying that the Sixers didn't make it or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Okay. All right. Well, look forward to it. Uh, if we if we get any any sort of premium lockdown Panthers uh, post uh, op co- uh, content, so uh, we'll go to back that. to 1995. I'll start I'll start tweeting about Carrie uh, Collins or something. <laughs> definitely, definitely. All right, man. Uh, appreciate you, Bill, for uh, joining me today on a, another crossover Thursday, and looking forward to uh, you know. At least one of us might be looking forward to what happens this weekend. So we'll <laughs> yeah, it should, should be fun. And, uh, you know, definitely looking forward to chatting with you again in about three weeks. Yeah, definitely. All right, man. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So shout out, of course, to our buddy Aaron Freeman, as always. Always great to to talk to him, get some insight on the Falcons and some thoughts on you know the, the 0-4 start and what's going on with the receiver. So really looking forward to this game. Uh, reminder, too, that today's episode is also being brought to you by our friends at Built Go. Listen, uh, Built Go is the healthy replacement for your energy drink, but it's energy that's not fake. It is lasting and it is natural. Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. It helps you break through your wall, whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. And it's an easy-to-take-in, one-and-a-half-ounce packages, which means you can put it in your briefcase, you can put it in your golf bag, you can just put it in your pocket just to get you through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's having a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, and it's natural, which means it's better for the body. And it's like drinking a monster drink, but only having a third of the caffeine and better results. And Bilko comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, coconut, or chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. And how does Bilko work so well? Well, Bilko combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast, plus it's easy on the stomach. Bilko is loaded with good stuff to help ignite my work with beta-alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. And Bilko then kicks to keep me going strong with vitamin B6 and vitamin B12, in fact, 10,000% of your daily percentage. Collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health, and this stuff literally makes you look better. 
So visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you will get 20% off your next order. So again, promo code LOCKED gets you 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. So again, shout out to Aaron Freeman. Appreciate his, uh, you know, joining the podcast as always. Always great to talk to him. Appreciate you guys listening as always as well. And, you know, making me a part of your day and letting me ramble about the Panthers a little bit with you guys. Always a good time. Hope to see you back here to wrap up the week. And we will get you set for Sunday's game. Big divisional game against the Atlanta Falcons as we've been getting ready all week. It's a fun time. Hope you guys are ready. We'll see you on Friday for kind of the wrap-up of the week here. Uh, Until next time, Billy Rossetti signing off. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.